Welcome to another episode of the Unreasonable Art of Living podcast. I'm your host, Gerhard Molin, currently from Vienna. And as always, enjoy the music. Yeah, welcome back to episode number eight. Quite excited. Um, and uh, actually, guess episode number three. Yes. But first and foremost, as always, I hope you're doing fine wherever you are right now. I hope you had a wonderful day, week, or weekend behind you, or you will have a wonderful day, a week, or weekend ahead of you. <laughs> Either way, I hope you're doing fine. And so happy that you are, you, you're back for more. So, welcome. <laughs> yeah, quite excited week. Um, actually, I mean, I'm still recovering from my sinus infection. You might hear it uh, in my voice. <laughs> and yeah, episode seven, uh, if you haven't, yeah, if you haven't uh, listened to it, check it out. Um, you can also, there's a deep dive about Lumi, the method, and you can go to lumi.io to actually download the free PDF, a do-it-yourself PDF to kind of like get going and uh, see how you, how you do, <laughs> how you do. <laughs> yeah, and um, again, thanks again for all the beautiful feedback I've received. Uh, it's always so humbling and I'm so grateful for that. Yeah, this episode, this episode, <laughs> this episode, guest episode number three with my dear friend Sabina. And we have known each other since we were teenagers, and she is such an inspiring person. Um, she's not only a founder of Sabina, which is a fem female-led conscious lifestyle brand that offers sustainable and education-led fashion based in London. She is also a co-founder of Fashion Revolution, which is a non-government uh, organization to advocate for sustainable fashion policies. Uh, she's also a lecturer at the University of Arts of London, where she inspires and educates young minds in terms of entrepreneurship and sustainable fashion. She consults at also at Fashion Changers. She's a Forbes 30 under 30 and yeah, just an absolutely inspiring person. Um, and most importantly, as of recent, she is uh, has become a mother of her beautiful daughter, Delia, and uh, you will notice during the episode, Delia will have uh, has small appearances, and I decided, of course, to leave that in because this is life, and this is just the natural way of things, and I think this is the most beautiful thing. And uh, why? Yeah, this episode is so exciting because we talked about very interesting topics, not just entrepreneurship. We talked about um, the environment and how important the environment and the people you are surround yourself with have an impact on your attitude, but also like what you think is possible about yourself. You talked a lot about self-belief and, you know, like the endless struggle about, you know, your inner, your inner enemy. If you remember episode five, the endless struggle, Sabina shared some methods she has, you know, has been using to kind of like overcome it and kind of like live with it. And yeah, many, many, many other interesting topics. Uh, we trail off sometimes, but like in the most beautiful way, we had good laughs and uh, talked to us about education and growing up in Austria and and so forth. It's a beautiful uh, episode. I'm so excited to share this episode with you. 
And yeah, I think without further ado, is there anything left to say before you can enjoy this beautiful episode? Yeah. Again, thank you for all the feedback. And if you want to continue to support the episode and you haven't done so, give it a five-star rating on Spotify or Apple, Apple Podcast and uh, share it with a friend. And most importantly, keep enjoying it. If you come back for more, that's all that matters. So without further ado, enjoy the episode with Sabina and with Delia. <laughs> enjoy. Welcome, Sabina. Hallo. <laughs> Excited to be here. Um, would you describe where we are right now? So we are now in Vienna, um, at my place actually, uh, because I just had a baby and that's why <laughs> you were so nice and kind not to invite me to leave the house. <laughs> Instead came here. So while the baby's napping and David is watching her, we can record this episode. Oh, beautiful. So first of all, congratulations. Thank you. When it was uh, now two months ago or? Two and a half now, which feels like two days and two years at the same time. Wow. All right. Yeah. I mean, like, this is one of the reasons. Okay. Not because you became recently a mom, but, uh, you know, I know you, I've been knowing you for now. Wow. Oh, I was about to say, should we say it? Because then we kind of give away our age. <laughs> <laughs> I'm forever 21. <laughs> I was going to say, that's why we need to be like, we know each other for 18 years. <laughs> exactly. We know each other for 18 years. <laughs> Plus another 10, maybe. <laughs> exactly. <laughs> <laughs> no, for a very, very long time. Oh, David, you know, for longer, but we met when we were teenagers. Exactly. Yeah. Exactly. And for me, um, it has been quite inspiring to just, you know, witness your journey. I always get to know what you're up to. I mean, nowadays you have your own company, Sabina, a fashion, sustainable fashion company. True um, story. True story. Then I had to write it down. You're also the co-founder of the nonprofit company, Fashion Revolution. Yes, the Austrian hub of it. <laughs> exactly. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> you are a <laughs> lecturer at the University of Arts in London. Yeah. Then you're also a consultant at Fashion Changer. Yes, for the Fashion Changers Collective that I co-founded as well. <laughs> Amazing. Amazing. <laughs> and... I still know, for, I think you, you and David, you had one of the first kind of like influencer blogs when we were like 16, 15, 17, something like that. A hundred percent. I wouldn't call it influencing. I'll call it, I don't know, like kind of exploring the internet space. Exactly. What yeah. happens if I put things out there and people can react? Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, that's true. And for me, it was kind of, I was a student back then. I just started to study fashion and just moved to London. And for me, it was a way to communicate what happens on the inside of an educational institution that is right. like well-known and presents itself as this magical place mm -hmm. that it somehow is, but also the bubble bursts when you're, once you're on the inside, <laughs> you know, quite often. Um, and I just uploaded basically my portfolios, the projects I'll be doing, and in between would have outfit posts, I guess you would call exactly. them today, and funky things for like, you know, couple stuff. I yes. don't even know. Like we have words for all of these things now, but back then there were no hashtags. <laughs> there wasn't even Instagram. Wait, what was the name of your blog? Something with cookies. Broken cookies. Broken cookies. And the reason yes. for that was because we lived in different cities back then. Yeah. So like when you break up a cookie and because we were Aww. both Star Wars fans, <laughs> yeah. it was like come to the dark side of the cookie. So there were like a couple of things that we thought about and that's the reason why it was called like that. Yeah. It's a, it's such a beautiful memory to be honest. And um, so yeah, it's actually... Yeah, looking at your journey, when I see that, I see someone with uh, courage, 
a strong heart, strong mind, a huge self-belief. And someone who always kind of like tries to try to find out what is your own path. Mm -hmm. Oh, I think I have to come back to that podcast because yeah? I love the vibes already. All the compliments <laughs> keep them coming. Right. Feel very comfortable here. <laughs> Thank you. <laughs> and yeah, for me, when I see this, I have a sense of like had an inner calling, so to say, or like a sense of. I mean, there's something inside you. Could you do you remember when it started? As a you know. Yeah, it's interesting you say that. I always have a hard time putting a word to what it is. If it's an inner calling, if it's the power of manifesting, if mm. it's, you know, you have like all these sorts of things. And I'm always in between. On one hand side, I feel like, yes, mindset is everything. You just need to have the right mindset. <laughs> but at the same time, it's a very uh, one-layered conversation if we say that everything's possible just because you mm -hmm. dream it, right? Mm -hmm. So that's why I think we need to have a multifaceted conversation wow. about these yeah. kind of things. But at the same time, just kind of like for myself, yeah, definitely. I like the self-belief that you said. I always thought if I do not believe in myself, who else will? So mm -hmm. for sure. Mm -hmm. But believing in yourself doesn't necessarily mean, first of all, you believe in the right things. Absolutely. <laughs> and that it will work out. Yeah. Yeah. So maybe self-belief is the best way to describe it. Yeah. And do you remember, did you always have it like from an early age on or was it something that slowly you have? Yeah. Well, you know, if you ask my mom. Yeah. She says I'm cool. And usually if your mom says you're cool, <laughs> then you're not. You're not. <laughs> 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 so but I was I was a very calm child from from description and now since I became a mom myself obviously my mom keeps telling me all these stories from my own childhood mm -hmm. trying to find comparison between my child and myself and if she has anything you know from from my spirit mm -hmm. basically mm -hmm. and my mom says I was a very calm child and it felt like I always knew what I wanted but I never said it out loud and would never communicate it and it started in my teenagehood that I started to become this rebellious person that right. goes against things but before that I was honestly following all the rules uh, doing everything my parents mm -hmm. would tell me I would never you know, make a scene or start crying anywhere, whatever. She said sometimes you would even forget I was in the room because I was just so quiet. Mm -hmm. And it's difficult now to imagine, even knowing myself, like that I was this quiet person. So maybe it wasn't always there. Maybe it was brewing and preparing to be let out. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just waiting for the right moment. And I think obviously a crucial role played the fact that um, I moved a lot as a child. Okay. And I didn't speak the language. So I had it a couple of times that I would be in an environment where I can't communicate because of the language barrier. Right. So I moved to Spain with my parents when I was three. I was initially born in Central Asia, in Tajikistan. Yeah. Then moved to Russia after the USSR fell apart. Mm -hmm. Tajikistan was part of the Soviet Union. Then from Russia to Spain, from Spain back to Russia, and from Russia to Austria eventually, where we stayed for quite a while. Mm -hmm. But I always had this trouble of like not speaking Spanish as a three-year-old, so not doing kindergarten, not becoming part of any community there. And then with German, the same thing, when arriving in Austria, mm -hmm. starting school straight away, and you know how kids are. This is, I think, the age, even probably kindergarten, where you first start to develop your individual personality mm -hmm. cues. Mm -hmm. It's like, this is me, this is who I am. And unfortunately, my thing became, I can't speak the language. <laughs> 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 Didn't choose it. Yeah, I get <laughs> Yeah. So I guess that made me pro probably kind of like be a bit quiet and become an observer mm -hmm. than someone who... I was just saying, I might have been actually subconsciously has become a superpower. Like if you Maybe. don't know or speak the language, you naturally become observer of the world, but also maybe of your inner world. 
A hundred percent, yeah, because you spend more time with yourself and mm-hmm. you spend more time kind of in your thoughts. And I was for sure this kind of like little melancholic child, you know, <laughs> be thinking a lot about the world and everything. Yeah, maybe it was beneficial. And, you know, uh, there's this whole, like, there's so many books about it already of how certain things we experience and they might be traumatic, they might be not the best, mm-hmm. but they contribute to something better in the mm-hmm. end if you manage to navigate through it. So maybe this is the story of it, I don't know. Wow. The loneliness was then put into something else <laughs> all right so then uh, when when was the first idea or like the uh when was it clear to you that all right i need to leave vienna and go to london oh, to be honest i i wasn't planning on so oh, really yeah no wasn't at all so my story is that i applied to study fashion design at the angevante it's university of applied mm-hmm. arts and they didn't accept me okay that's why i left That was the only reason, because Vienna is small. There was only two places back then where you could have studied fashion design. There was uh, um, Angewandte and Hetzendorf. Hetzendorf mm-hmm. doesn't even exist anymore as a, as a university. Oh, right. okay. It's just a yeah. school now, a high school. Um, and for me, it was these two options. My parents weren't very keen for me to go down the route of a fashion career, because obviously as an immigrant child, they expect that they bring you to Europe, they give you all these opportunities, you finally speak the language, so why would you go for a job where you might end up not being able to earn enough money, not mm-hmm. make a living, it's very competitive, which I think they're absolutely right about. And I can't <laughs> even guarantee 100% that I'm keen for my daughter to work in the fashion industry, so I do understand that perspective. Um, yeah, but for me, it was like, it's all or nothing. So if they don't mm. accept me, I'm not good enough, then I shouldn't be doing it. But I ended up then going for uh, a job. So I worked then for a designer called Shella Khan here in Vienna, in Austria. Mm-hmm. And the two women behind it, they were the ones, they said, oh my God, as if Austria is like the end of the world, you know, there's other places out there, just go and apply to another university. And I think this is where the self-belief kicked mm-hmm. in. Not that I just applied to a random university. I'm like, okay, then I'm going to apply to the best one. <laughs> Amazing, yes. And I did. And I was accepted at St. St. Martins, and that's why I moved to London. Wow. But the idea of wanting to work in fashion and understanding it's actually a business and being really mesmerized by the whole world, I would think it probably started when I was 10, 12, 13, All around right. that age. So yeah. quite early on. I just didn't understand that it's it's a very naive approach, I call it. I didn't understand that it's a business, that you can study it, you can work in it. You, can, mm-hmm. you know, mm-hmm. when you talk about the fashion industry, people are always like, oh, there's designers. Mm-hmm. They can't name any other jobs within the industry. <laughs> yeah, true. <laughs> yes. True. And that's how I was as well. I was like, I want to be a designer. And I think in retrospect, maybe I would have chosen something else straight away because obviously my path then led to other opportunities mm-hmm. within the industry. But back then I thought, oh, okay, you can become a fashion designer. And that's what I want to do. <laughs> Done. <laughs> Done. Sorted. And it can be an advantage and disadvantage. And you and I, we spoke about it, I think, because you and I, we're very dissimilar in that sense. Mm-hmm. I, what I love about you is how you always look for new adventures and you fully invest in them. You're like, <laughs> I want to try it out. I'll do it. And I have an open mind about it. Mm-hmm. And I'm the opposite. Mm-hmm. I'll always be this person. I was 10 when I said I'll do it. And now I'm you know, <laughs> do 34 it. <laughs> and I want to do it. <laughs> and it can be a restriction for yourself and right. your own mind, right? While when I talk to people like you who say that, oh no, it's the opposite. It's amazing. I would love to know sometimes that this is exactly what I should be focusing on. So I think maybe a mix between these two would be something mm-hmm. easier on the mind, right? Easy in the mind, I think... Um Yeah, I think for me, you know, when you when you look at just briefly about like, yeah, there's like a lot of things trying out because there was no, up until, up until recently, like, okay, this is a clear, this is very much aligned with my heart. Yeah. But what I can see like in, in your path, like you knew like, okay, fashion, 
but you just didn't know yet where it will lead to. True. But then you found, all right, I'm really passionate about sustainability and like, yeah. how can I use this craft to do something good? Thank you. Yeah, that's yeah. true. This is probably like the, the summary of that. Mm -hmm. Yeah, so it's true. It's not kind of like reinventing myself. It's more of pivoting towards something. Mm -hmm. that has that makes more sense mm -hmm. also for the environment and what the people need and just going with zeitgeist a bit more yeah but i would like to bring in my joker question oh, now wait we, we decided on a sound for that since we're speaking about teenagehood starting off what would you study now if you could do it all over again so imagine you're 18 you just graduated from austrian high school oh you both did. And remember this time where everyone is like, I'm going to do this. I'm going to yeah, do this. There's yeah. so much pressure. Mm -hmm. Everyone has to sign up to university. Like now, what's the point otherwise? <laughs> oh, man, it's, it's so funny because I've I thought about this a few times. And I mm -hmm. think if I had time to do, to do some studies, it would be a, a mixture of neuroscience and computer science. Interesting. Yeah. Oh, I love that. Why? Uh, a, because like, you know, computer science, I'm, you know, very, very passionate about that. Uh, but the combination of using that w for our mind, especially mm -hmm. now with artificial intelligence coming up more and more, yeah, I think there's just a very interesting intersection between Agreed, yeah. understanding what is happening in our mind actually yeah. and how we can utilize this with technology. Yeah. So, yeah, if I had not enough money, I would totally do it now. <laughs> I was going to say, back then you would have been an absolute pioneer. Yeah, probably. <laughs> talking about AI. Yeah, AI is like, yes. <laughs> I find still when you say yeah. AI, people are like, who, why, what? <laughs> uh, yeah, but, you know, maybe this is a this is it's the time for us to critique the Austrian uh, university system because you say the intersection, right? Mm -hmm. There's so many things where the intersection is what becomes exciting and mm -hmm. interesting but you still can't do an undergrad and then a postgrad an entirely different topic in yeah. austria right? and i think um because like when you mentioned like all right you know you i've been trying a lot of yeah. adventures for me actually the, the point was more like the things you were i had like the options in austria yeah. they were very limited limited and not very inspiring mm -hmm. so I, f I felt like i had to go out there and see what else is there yeah even yeah, possible totally yeah and like um yeah we don't you know we this is so crazy that actually we, we still have this very like year-long university degrees which are like very even like old school in it's some very degrees title -driven. very title driven yeah, yeah. exactly yeah uh, no i feel you so i think this is the intersection is what is lacking and missing mm -hmm. so i like that you said that you wouldn't have gone for one thing it's the intersection of two things that you find very intriguing exactly yeah. <laughs> nice <laughs> I'm satisfied with your first answer to my joke. Wait, I had add something. Yeah, thank you. Thank you, Gerhard. <laughs> <laughs> Self-applause, never harms. <laughs> Wait, Sabina, I think we try to put the microphone a bit closer. Yeah, sure. Is it better like that? Yeah, this is amazing. Yeah. <laughs> it keeps turning away from me, but let me just do this. It's shy. Yeah. It's a shy microphone. Perfect. Nice. Awesome. Because I get this. So, then, so now walk us just quickly through. You studied... Uh, fashion the journey okay. the journey yeah and then when was uh when did it trigger like this whole sustainability track mm -hmm. and uh where what problems did you see in this field yeah i think i have to backtrack a little bit mm -hmm. so i learned from my grandmother how to do all the handcrafted bits sewing knitting crocheting meaning that 
I'm very familiar with the craft and mm -hmm. I love it. This is my safe space coming back to this whole immigrant childhood. This was what I've been doing, basically. If you don't have any friends, you can have fun activities at home. <laughs> <laughs> it sounds very sad, but actually, I wasn't that sad. Don't worry about me, people out there. <laughs> I was fine. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I learned all these things and I was just fascinated because I feel like, you know, there is a way to communicate without using any words, mm -hmm. just through handcraft. Mm -hmm. And to be honest, this is an early stage of sustainability, just never understanding that it is. Right. So then I had my first job in the fashion industry when I was 14 for a fast fashion company called Schweppes, which doesn't exist anymore. Wow. They were the H&M of Austria back then. They wow. tried to challenge. All right. H&M, I think Zara didn't really exist in, in a sense back then, but they had a massive store on Kärntnerstrasse mm -hmm. in the first district. And they were like Austrian fast fashion company. And I worked, in, I had a summer job and worked in their archive, photocopying receipts and mm -hmm. uh, sorting them basically uh, file for file, you know, how, mm -hmm. you know what you do in summer jobs. And this was my first touch point and understanding, first of all, how little people talk about who is behind the scene. Because mm -hmm. I kept asking questions like, but who made this clothes, you know, and what is the country of origin? Because I found it exciting for me was someone must have do this, you know, because this is my approach towards handcraft. I know that I did this and this is what it looks like. But no one cared. It was all about marketing. How do we market it? How do we sell it? Most important thing. Wow, okay. And back then, as a 14-year-old, I was already questioning, like, why is it like that? Yeah. And that became kind of a question to answer for later on. I then went on to have a retail job at Bernhardt, which still exists, but was <laughs> way bigger back then. They had massive stores. A couple of them, Marie-Ferstrasse, Kärntnerstrasse, and was the cool girl's place for right. sure. Yeah, yeah. I, I was 15, 16, 17. So I worked for quite a while there doing Saturdays and Fridays after school. Wow. Met the coolest girls ever. Always wanted, they were like obviously five, six, seven years older than me. And I wanted to dress like them, to be like them because they were allowed to go out. They had boys friends you know it's like all this hidden world I'm like oh my god this is so cool so yeah this was my second touch point and there again marketing so how do you sell and I think this is where I actually learned how to sell honestly. wow all right I always say if anyone wants to work in the fashion industry do not skip that retail job mm -hmm. you need to understand the consumer's perspective and mm -hmm. the best way to learn is by actually being going out there and just yeah, being there so fantastic great learning Got to know people that I'm still friends with, which mm -hmm. is crazy. Um, and then after that was basically I graduated from high school, um, stopped doing that part-time job and applied to university where it wasn't accepted. Mm -hmm. Went on to study Slavonic languages in the meantime, right. because my parents were like, there's no way you don't do anything. <laughs> and went for the job at Shalakan, the designers. Yeah. So this was kind of like the journey. But Shalakan was the first place where they gave me this transparency in supply chain. They're like, oh, wow. we produce in Hungary. It's a nice little family-owned factory. This is where we, we get our fabrics from Italy. And I could for the first time see, oh, this is the journey of the product. Mm -hmm. And then it lands here and I'm responsible to, you know, pack it and sell it to the consumers and, and so on. Mm -hmm. And then when I got accepted at Central St. Martins and went on to study, I had a huge disappointment mm -hmm. because back then, and I started in 2009, we only had one lecture on organic cotton. Wow. And that's it. Wow. Everything else was really amazing in terms of how to research, how to do mood boards, how to be this creative person, uh, you know, from fashion history. All of these things were sorted and, mm -hmm. and, and mm -hmm. done. Fantastic. Great curriculum. But sustainability wasn't a thing people spoke about. And back then I wouldn't even call it sustainable or sustainability. I didn't know the word. Wow. But I was lacking 
the behind behind the scenes, not right. behind the scenes of what happens at the fashion week show or you know behind the catwalk, but really what happens in a supply chain where clothes are made. And this is where I made my decision. So, okay, if I want to start my own business and do my own brand, I want to communicate these things because mm -hmm. it's not possible that people don't know about it. Once I started digging in, the internet grew with, with us, right? And we could Google <laughs> stuff. <laughs> Didn't have to go to the library anymore <laughs> to find out things. I started to become aware of the fact that there is an issue with garment workers, exploitation. Mm -hmm. This is also the time where lots of companies started to move their production to China first, and then mm -hmm. China became too expensive and then moved to Bangladesh and India. And kind of like reading on it in my own time and just being shocked, very disappointed. Wow. But what did I do? I graduated from high school, uh, from, from university, and started my own business and didn't implement any of the learnings. All right. And did the thing that everyone else does try to become part of Fashion Week, try to overproduce two massive collections, mm -hmm. overwork, mm -hmm. care about marketing way more than about the sustainability credentials of mm -hmm. my own products, um, not knowing my product well enough because I was selling out yeah. my soul. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what I've been <laughs> yeah. doing. And I'm not saying this is the wrong way to do things. I think for some of my peers back then who started fantastic businesses, it just worked out really well because this is what they wanted. This was their dream. I just tried to lift someone else's dream because I thought this is the only option. So the only definition of success, let's call it mm -hmm. that way. That you can't have success by being a niche brand, catering to a small group, being slow in your production, mm -hmm. really thinking about everything because fashion is not rewarding you for that. The industry is really fast, really glittery, really like on the outside, right? So yeah, I did that for probably three years. All right. I was really frustrated, really hated everything. And I had then had the, the option of leaving the fashion industry entirely mm -hmm. or continuing. While I was studying at CSM, I also worked for Dior for, in Paris for mm -hmm. a while and for America Transit in London. And again, this was for me fascinating to see this massive heritage uh, luxury house and then obviously uh, a quite luxurious brand from London. Having all this comparison, all of these learnings from the job, you know, at the fast fashion company down towards the luxury route, I was just... I was just done with the industry <laughs> Wow! <laughs> by the age of 25. I was wow. like, I don't want to do it anymore. Yeah. But I decided to stick, um, but do it on my terms. Yeah. Yeah. Which I did since then. So this is when sustainability yeah. really became a thing. Amazing. You did, I mean. For myself, not in the world. <laughs> it's not like I affected the entire world. I just want to make this clear. <laughs> not not, not going to have any quotes out there. I'm like, I invented sustainability, guys. <laughs> no, but then you decided like it was a very strong, hard resonance, like, This yeah. is what I stand for. And it was a choice, yeah, based on your heart and not like on your ego. A hundred percent. And the ego aspect is, is very important because ego is uh, very tied to the definition of success as we mm -hmm. know it, right? Mm -hmm. It's all about the founder, the role of the founder being exactly. at the forefront. And I mean, we are screwed anyway. Uh, as a woman, obviously being ruined by a girl boss culture, mm -hmm. because this was really big in the time when I was starting off my career. It was how close can you be, you know, like all the powerful men, how close can you be to them in your behavior, in your appearance, in the way you talk, in the way you make decisions for your own business. Mm -hmm. And that's obviously now we know it's toxic and we thought about it and we kind of like uh, went back to a more natural approach. But back then this was 
the thing. It was about wearing cool suits and wow. <laughs> or, or all black, like all designers usually do. And being this person of steel, not showing your emotions and kind of like having this 300 collections, throwing it out there, being proud of sleeping only two hours a night, <laughs> you know. I know, yeah. Yeah. Yeah, and obviously very mesmerized by that, thinking that this is the only way I can be successful, not for myself, but for the outside. Gotcha. And then like, I mean, like this is a fascinating period of your time and also like a lot, because we share like this, also like passion for entrepreneurship and oh, knowing yeah. is like, there's like this crazy, yeah, this, first of all, I would like to ask you, how, how do you deal with, you know, when you do this, when any entrepreneur knows that, like this crazy battle against your inner devil, like this self-doubt. Yeah. And while you first, this is one part where you really have to believe in yourself and what you're doing. Yeah. But then there's days where like, you know, you're, you're, you're weeks, my, sometimes. Week, weeks, <laughs> my weeks are just years, years you know, like years is like this constant inner battle, like some voice telling you like, ah, why are you doing this? No one cares. Yeah. You're not good enough. All that, all that things. And there were actually two questions of like, have you, so yeah. How have you experienced that? Actually, yeah. first question, have you learned any methods or have you met someone who kind of like taught you something very inspiring in that sense or useful mm -hmm. two questions yeah love it uh self-doubt is my new best friend yeah was okay. my enemy now we're just friends i just accepted it i <laughs> doubt do myself. you have a name no it's, okay. let's let's not give them too much space <laughs> <laughs> did not decide on the gender the name <laughs> or the appearance of self-doubt but it's there <laughs> okay yeah um and i just started to embrace it i know that i will always doubt myself again understanding that the way you grew up the way just the reasoning for who you are within society and understanding of privilege, again, having this multi-layered approach, sometimes you just can't help it because you were socialized in a certain way. Mm -hmm. You will always have that as part of you. And you can learn to switch it off and on, but mm -hmm. you can never get rid of it. Mm -hmm. So this is self-doubt. I'm not trying to get rid of it. And I also think it's healthy to a certain extent. Um, I'm assuming that Elon Musk doesn't have any anymore. <laughs> I guess this is what happens, right? <laughs> If your self-doubt is gone. <laughs> so maybe it's good to have it. <laughs> yeah, maybe it's good. Yes. Maybe it's good. So let's, let's keep it there. Um, and in terms of learning things from other people, that's a very interesting one because also in the very beginning of my career, I made a huge mistake. So I stopped seeing the necessity in having mentors and people who support you on the journey. Mm -hmm. I had that up until the moment I started university. And then... I don't know why, but I thought I know everything. I shouldn't be asking the questions because I'm have to be the expert in this since I'm studying it. I'm working in it. I already have like all these years. I have the CV. I need to know. Mm -hmm. And I stopped asking for advice for, I don't know, just conversations, mm -hmm. just, just mm -hmm. to talk to someone who I can just talk to. And then somehow they ask me more questions and that leads me to an answer. And that was a huge mistake. So I had like a whole, I'd say, um, some dark times without any mentoring and any advice. Mm -hmm. But in terms of how to cope with it, I found a method for myself that works quite well. Whenever I'm starting, especially new things that are super scary. And I think the most recent one I'm happy to share is like combining motherhood and career. Yeah. Scary. Scary. AF. Yes. Every day self-doubting. And, you know, last week I left the house for work and I was gone for three and a half hours where I felt super happy and excited mm -hmm. because I just love what I'm doing for work. But I also could cry because I was just feeling that I'm letting my child down because she's still so little and I'm leaving her, I mean, with the father, right? <laughs> with my partner, but yeah. still I felt like, she's going to miss me and Absolutely, I miss her. Yeah. yeah, so very challenging. 
But for me, in these moments, I have kind of like a, in my mind a list of milestones mm-hmm. that okay. I look back at. All right. So other moments where I felt the same. Yeah. One of them would be didn't ex- didn't get accepted at university, but ended up at a better one. Yeah. At a place that is better for me. Mm-hmm. Almost closed my company because thought it's not worth it and mm-hmm. wanted to change uh, careers, but then found a niche within an existing career. Amazing. Wanted to quit my job at the university, which I didn't speak about too much yet because I'm not too much into the academic uh, world and never felt comfortable there, but pushed through and was rewarded mm-hmm. big time. So all of these things I try to remember in that moment and mm-hmm. thinking that you never know, maybe this is another of these milestones mm-hmm. that I'll be adding at some point, but I will never find out if I'm not doing it. Absolutely. Yeah. It's beautiful. I mean, this is like you have... Uh I guess it will never end this ever never ending battle, especially when you deal with uncertainty. Yeah. It's just about like maybe you get better to shortcut the circuit between self doubt yeah. and getting out of it. Yeah. And actually, uh, so I had an episode about that. Like, why, why do you think do we have this? I don't know. We should ask a psychologist, a psychiatrist, and <laughs> some <someone>. ancient yogi. <laughs> <It> was <just laughs> someone, someone, maybe someone who's listening. Just, just, just tell, <laughs> just us. tell us, just please. Tell us. Text us. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we have it. I mean, we kind of established probably we need it for balance, and it also has to do. I, I also think we should differentiate between because obviously you, as someone who lifted so many different places, you mm-hmm. probably will agree that in the duck region, so Austria, Germany, and probably mm-hmm. Switzerland, there's a very different approach towards self-doubt, failure, success, mm-hmm. compared to English-speaking countries. Uh, I guess in America, I mean, never worked in America, so can't say, but know some Americans, and not sure they have the same amount of self-doubt <laughs> as we do. <laughs> but also with the Brits, since I live in London for, you know, I've been there for a very long time, I just feel that from a very young age on, they are being encouraged to try things, yeah. to test, to see what they're, you know, good at. We don't. That's so true. Yeah. And I think self-doubt grows with every moment where you're not being told to explore. It's kind of like a different, almost like a two players. One, one, you know, like self-doubt, especially when you grow up in Austria, this player has been trained for many years, yeah. has a head dominant, start, dominant. Yeah. And then like, okay, you go out and maybe you find your inner self-belief and you kind of like have trained this player as well. Yeah. And, it's uh, being right-handed. Right, never exactly. Use exactly. Right? exactly. <laughs> Beautiful. <laughs> and it's actually... Um, it's a perfect uh, kind of like segue to this topic was like, for me, how have you experienced, how has the environment and the people you engage with? I think this is a very super interesting topic for anyone out there who hasn't never kind of like, or has stated this one place. Yeah. What impact do you think has the environment and the people you interact with on your self-belief, but also like on the possibilities you see what you can do? massive one and i love how you said that for you you just felt like you need to leave austria and again it's not about bashing a certain certain country it's just again your state of mind and what you need for that moment and you had to leave Mm -hmm. you had to go out there and just explore and for me i think it was the lack of seeing people who are like me Mm -hmm. so i just didn't have enough i mean back then we didn't even have enough success stories of female founders absolutely not even talking about immigrant female founders Not even talking about immigrant female founders who didn't speak the language, you know. So <laughs> yeah, you just keep adding yeah. on. I just didn't see these people. Now we see, like, you know, uh, on TV, people um, delivering us the news who mm-hmm. are immigrants initially. Absolutely. And that's fantastic. But yeah. back then, remember, like 90s, early 2000s, nothing. nothing. Yeah. So for me, for sure, I felt like there's only a certain amount of jobs that are made for me. 
and I should be going for them. So you have these extremes. You either this overachieving immigrant who is like working twice as hard, and that's why they deserve it. Mm-hmm. So also this component of having to deserve something. Exactly. Our Gen Z is so much better in that. Yeah. They're like, it's mine. It's mine already. <laughs> exactly. But millennials aren't. You know, we have to deserve stuff. Yes. You don't suffer. Was there even yeah. any meaning in it? <laughs> Probably not. <laughs> so that's why, for me personally, I had to leave and I had to experience something else. And obviously, London is a crazy place for that because you have so many different people coming together. Absolutely. And a lot of them in a very similar position as you are, also trying to explore, trying to find themselves. And I remember it was also a great combination of self-doubt and self-belief. Once I got accepted at Central St. Martins, while still being in Vienna, I was like, oh my God, it must mean I'm amazing. I must be really good, mm, you know? Absolutely. And I came with this self-belief to yeah. London and then it turned into self-doubt the minute I entered the university. Wow. Because everyone else was so good. Right. And they had better sketchbooks and better English and better everything. And I remember I just came home on the first day and I just cried. I was like, I want to oh, leave. I want to wow. go home. Yeah. And then I asked myself the question. I was like, do I want to be really good and stay where I am? Mm. Are they comfortable? Or do I want to be one of the weaker ones, mm-hmm. but keep learning? Yeah. And I think, you know, obviously I, I chose the second one. And it's like the saying, if you're the smartest person in the room, then leave the room. Leave the room. <laughs> That's so true. Yeah. So I keep leaving rooms now. <laughs> 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 actually you wanted to leave right now right uh, <laughs> yes <it's>, yeah. <laughs> oh God. the compliments they keep coming <laughs> Wait a second. where's the applause <laughs> i think it's the orange one yeah nice <laughs> <laughs> it's amazing yeah, because i just thought about that today so it was now this year a few months in australia and yeah. it's so fascinating about australia what many people don't know like actually almost no australian has a degree it's actually mostly internationals who come to australia to study crazy right it's crazy and when i was there there's like this sense of entrepreneurship is so different yeah it's like any there's so many people just like yeah they even yeah they have to they just have either a job or they start their own business no yeah. matter what and for me now that you know when you travel through all these cultures like it's you see it so clearly like when you talk about an idea how people respond to you yeah And there's always like, I remember like in Australia, like you just tell them something, but because they know the pain behind it, they know that you have your greatest battle with yourself anyways, they just support you from the get go. They're just like, it's such a different mindset. Mm -hmm. And um, yeah, coming back. (laughs) Yeah. Again, it's nothing about passion. It's just like a different. And I think when you think about Austria, it's a very academic country. I was about to say, it depends on who you are. It depends on who you are in the sense. Yeah, exactly. It, there's no, not this, I think, also understanding for entrepreneurship and what it entails. Oh, oh here. Hello, yes. Delia. <laughs> Delia. Delia is awake. Yeah. <laughs> we did promise you some, because when she's hungry, she's like, full on, yeah, come yeah. in, come in. <laughs> Aww. Oh. Someone's hungry? Yeah, I didn't mention, but, you know, as the serial entrepreneur that I am, I'm now also a milkmaid. <laughs> yes. <laughs> I have a new job. Oh. Yeah. So now Delia is joining the show. Hey, Delia. <laughs> sorry, sorry, little one. Sorry, sorry. She's like, what is happening? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Sorry, just have to. Okay. Okay. So have a little uh, food break for dear Delia. And I think that's beautiful. So beautiful to see. What was I say? Speaking about balance and combining uh, all the jobs. <laughs> I have to rearrange the microphone now for my new position. Perfect. Nice. Perfect. 
Yeah. Yeah, exactly. For academic people, Austria is fantastic, right? And then mm -hmm. it, again, it depends on what you want to do. It's not about saying one place is perfect no. and the other one isn't or one is better or not. It just really depends on what you want from life. Yeah. And then the, that's the thing I think this having the courage to go out there and having to own the right to explore it. Exactly. Because like <clears throat> we had no choice where we grew up with. Like, okay, yeah, our parents were here. Yeah. And I think also like one of the motivation behind this whole podcast as well, like to hear the stories like yours. It's kind of like, hey, there's so many people out there um, that we went out there and find, you know, what is their niche? What is their path? And that's actually, that should be the most normal thing in life, yeah. in my opinion. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, I, I agree with you. And I think, again, having this, I remember listening to a lot of podcasts myself where people would just talk about their journey. Yeah. And again, just being amazed of how they just decided to leave yes. everything behind and do it. Or I'm, I'm especially amazed by people who have more than one career throughout their life, you know, who are like being mm -hmm. really good at something. Mm -hmm. And then they're, oh, I'm, you know, I'm not happy. I just want to do something else. Just yeah. the courage to say, uh, again, yes, of course, it comes with privilege. Not everyone can just say, oh, I don't want to do this job anymore and I can leave it tomorrow. But if you have that privilege, there's still a lot of courage that it takes to do that. Mm -hmm. And that's fascinating. And by listening to all the stories, sometimes I felt like in moments of doubt again. Wow. It's like, yes, I'm not alone. Yeah. Remember yeah. these people, they did, it, they did it. Why shouldn't I? And again, you know, I remember you said there's this voice like, why should it be me? Yeah. Yeah. Can I ask you another Joker question? Yes. Oh, wait. Wait, the sound. Nice. What is your biggest learning? That's a difficult one. Your biggest learning from your time abroad. Oh, wow. My biggest learning from my time abroad there. Hmm. I think, yeah, I think this is what I actually touched upon is quite now how limiting or like the things you have in your mind or like the, the beliefs you, what yeah. you can or cannot do are quite, are just shaped by where you grew up with. Mm-hmm with whom and what you experience and that we can actually reshape these beliefs, which is also really hard. It takes work and unlearning, right? unlearning Big and one. also like training your other player, this mm -hmm. self-belief. And, um, and my biggest learning is to embrace big changes, hard changes. What yeah. so in as well as professionals, personal life for me, what I've realized is, um, Tough choices, easy life, easy choices, tough life. Mm -hmm. Interesting. Never heard that. And uh, to and what I mean is like it's not it's not blessing. Like to make tough choices it means pain, but also like maybe hurting other people. Yeah. But in the end of the end, in the end of the day, you the decisions need to be if you don't live a life that's very authentic and to your heart, yeah, then you will suffer the long time long term. Mm -hmm. And sometimes you have to do the kind of like pull the handbrake. So it's self care we're talking about. Yeah, self care in a sense. Yeah. So what you say, love all the millennials exploring <laughs> self care. Yes. I love it for us. Well done, us. <laughs> and I think you know, this is what what many people may, maybe misunderstand when we talk about this, like self care and like this thing. I think it's so important once you actually understand yourself and you live kind of like in you understand what is your resonance. Yeah. Once you understand that, it's much easier to kind of live and support other people. 
and live in a community. Yeah. Because then once you have your resonance, you can much easier kind of like join other people, support them because you a know your path. Approach. A collaborative approach. Yeah. Exactly. Mm, I like that. Yeah. Collaboration is another big one, yeah. right? Where there's so many differences depending on where, where you are, what country, Absolutely. what community. Yeah. yeah. Agreed. Yeah. Nice. Again, applause for you. I like the answer. <laughs> <laughs> Delia is not so keen on your answer, but that's a different generation. A you different know. generation. <laughs> what generation will she be? Uh, probably somewhere uh, on the junction of alpha and beta. Oh, wow. So actually, this was the, just the other day. We were curious, why do you think we started with gen... What, where did we start? X? Then we went to Y and then we said... <laughs> She's like, oh, what's happening? Yeah. Oh. You have to flip her here because somehow... She doesn't want to be on that side. Let's see. <laughs> yeah, the joy of breastfeeding. This is for a different podcast. <laughs> <laughs> I don't know why we started so randomly. I, I was hoping you know the answer for this kind of thing. No. You usually have this type of knowledge. <laughs> it's like, I was like, why did we start with X, Y, and Z? And then where, and do, then, we go? where do we go next? <laughs> was, was it maybe because we started... Oh, no, it was, but there was X before. Because I was like, maybe we started with the generation Y because we asked so many Y, no questions, questions, why yeah. questions. And then there was also this letter Y. Yeah. But no, there was... But anyway, if you think about Gen X, maybe X with execution, you know, the things because like because you, the boomer are just yeah, boomers, boomers are just right? like they don't go, have a because there was not much why there was just like all right, post-war yeah. generation, we just have to work and rebuild yeah. the society, which was extremely important. Yeah, and there was not really a why. It was just like a job has to be done. Exactly. Oh, okay, interesting. Maybe that's why. But now, yeah, it's a bit. But if you start at the end of the alphabet. Obviously, you run out quite quickly. Exactly. Like, all right. Maybe whoever came up with it thought we won't exist as humanity anymore by the time Gen Z is here, yeah. right? Maybe. Maybe. Who knows what, our, what comes afterwards. All right. <laughs> so just the email. Always the same. Forgot to close my email program. Well, the worst is we now have a, a second guest and then and a baby in the room. I think we're, we're past we're, that. We're past that. It's perfect. <laughs> just her own button now. <laughs> so then... Because I hear we don't, you know, like it just didn't stop. And I think there's again so many beautiful topics we can talk about. So now you have been an entrepreneur, entrepreneur for many years. Now you also have you came back to Austria and you are a very vocal, strong voice for sustainable fashion. Austria kind of like breaking. I mean, that's for me knowing how Austria works. Uh, you have my deepest respect to come <laughs> to do I, this. I do feel like we're turning this into an Austria bashing. No, podcast. maybe, but it's just like no, it's just amazing. But then also you are, um, there's another passionate topic about yours is education. I was about to say, just a quick one, David, I think she learned, or I don't know if David is here, she learned how to take things. She just grabbed the thing for the first time. Amazing. Yeah, well done, Delia. What, what is wrong? What do you want? Give me one second. I'll yes. just... And we're back. And we're back, yeah. So Delia um, is not taking as well-deserved break. No, I was say, yeah, she's, uh, she just had her own milestone. She grabbed the uh, cable. Amazing. It's the first time she grabbed something on purpose by herself. So well done. Well done, Delia. <laughs> She's <laughs> oh, the new generation. Just, they just Amazing. Know what they want. <laughs> I want a cable. Give me cable. <laughs> yeah, thanks for the pause. We're ready now to continue. Yeah, as I just said, we have to be careful not to turn this podcast into a specific country bashing. But yeah, we're just sharing. Let's let's just put you know the rules on it. It's just our personal experience. Absolutely. Yeah, so it's we don't talk on behalf of a country no, or no, no, people. No. You're just like a personal person experience. Yeah. It's just a, I, I see it more as an observation. You know, like because when, once you kind of like left the country and you have been in different places, also, but not just as a tourist, 
Yeah, where well, you lived I mean, somewhere else. You yeah. lived somewhere else, you immersed yourself in cultures, you worked somewhere. You also, like, I think it's a very enriching experience because, like, it's also like a deprogramming happening yeah. as well. Yeah. And, like, you discover things you haven't thought of that they're even within you. And I think, yeah. yeah. And it's not like the new places you go to, you find them perfect, right? Mm -mm. I think that's another important one. I, I love living in London, but do I find lots of things weird there? Of course. Of course, yeah. And I also find it a bit tricky because sometimes when I would say something, let's say call it against Austria or just critiquing mm -hmm. something, people are really upset <clears throat> if you're not originally from Austria and you do that. Because like, but Austria is the one that gave you all the opportunities, you know, <laughs> where you could study for free and you could do, which is true. True, absolutely. Yes, but at the same time, We don't owe a country anything. No, nothing. Of course not. Yeah. Absolutely. Okay. Let's establish that. Exactly. <laughs> absolutely. No, I, absolutely. Just yeah. like the last thing for me, for example, if I hadn't lived in Finland, I think Finland for me was the first country which surfaced this entrepreneurial spirit, yeah. real entrepreneurial spirit. And, you know, like if I hadn't been in Finland, probably would have no thought about this. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, yeah, yeah. No, a hundred percent. And I think there's advantages and disadvantages about every place. Every place, absolutely. Yeah. And you learn, and obviously we are the people that we are because we did grow up in Austria mm -hmm. and we have a nice system here where actually it could be easier to fail and try things because there's always an opportunity. I mean, you won't end up on the street, just frankly speaking, absolutely. right? Because there's a social system in place that lots of other countries simply don't have. Yeah. Um, but yeah, sometimes and if it's too easy... People don't experiment. Yeah. yeah. And maybe, who knows, Sabina, maybe our, our key role will be in 10, 20 years that we come back to Austria and kind of like ignite an entrepreneurial ghost or like sleeping You know who loves giant. that? People who stayed here. <laughs> and then like they love for people like us to come back <laughs> like, and be like, don't worry, we'll take care of this place. <laughs> <laughs> they're, they're like, oh, this was oh, who, who those people? Tur turn off. <laughs> turn off. <laughs> Cancel. Cancel. <laughs> No, I mean, I do lots of projects with the Duck region, with Germany and Austria. And I have to say, I am already amazed how much changed since the mm -hmm. moment I left Austria. Um, I love the brands that started up in, in, in Austria and in Vienna, particularly because I, I spend my time in Vienna, so not very familiar on the outside. But within Vienna, there's so many talented people, entrepreneurial people, lots of innovative thinking happening. So there is lots of hope. Absolutely. A hundred percent. And I'm very, very thankful that I get to experience that. And, you know, just being able to experience more than one country, more than one side on a different level than just being a tourist, as you just mentioned, that's very special. Absolutely. Yeah. And kind of like acknowledging that, yeah, being grateful for this and like you, wow, to have this experience is amazing. And like we can do something with it yeah. and help other people. hundred percent. And speaking of helping other people, you're also uh, a lecturer. Yes. At the University of Arts of London. Exactly. Yes. yes. Yeah. That that was an accident. <laughs> <laughs> and you and I, we had the pleasure to work together as yes. well because you came to do a guest lecture, which mm -hmm. was fantastic uh, on entrepreneurship because I do teach on the master's course, which is uh, about um, fashion entrepreneurship and innovation. And um, I was offered uh, to join as a lecturer back in 2018 uh, when I was, what, 28? Mm-hmm. So that was a bit shocking because for, for full disclosure, I did go to uni, but I only have an undergrad. And again, growing up in Austria, having an undergrad, you said in Australia, most people don't study at all. In Austria, having just an undergrad is basically like having no... no nothing. Nothing. <laughs> yeah. like, why, what did you do? Why did you waste your time, you know? So uh, up until very recent, I did not have a postgrad. I do have it now because I went back to uni. <laughs> Amazing. You went to Cambridge. I did, I yes. mean, come on. 
thank you. It's celebrated. It's amazing. <laughs> yes. No, yeah. I'm actually very excited and very proud because I've been pregnant through the entire uh, course. Wow. So yeah. it was a big challenge to have a full-time job, uh, actually two full, two almost full-time jobs, being pregnant and doing part-time studies is, is a challenge in itself. And I got a bursary as well to complete mm -hmm. that. So that's the reason I actually went back because I never wanted to spend that much money again on education because I do not think that education should cost that much. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. So, but since I got the bursary, um, I took the chance to do a postgrad, but that was the reasoning I never did in the first place because I didn't want to spend more money on education. And when I was offered a job to be a lecturer with just having an undergrad, I felt, you know, self-doubt was bigger than self-belief, wow. bigger than ever. I was like, why should I be the person? I was already having these conversations with myself in my head. If I enter the room and one of the students would ask, and I only did a fashion design BA, how will I justify that I'm the one that should listen to doing a master's degree? Wow. Like, crazy All things right. like that. Yeah. Crazy, right? And I almost said no. And then I was like, no, I have to try it. I can always say no to it later, right? Mm -hmm. I can almost be like, oh, actually, it's not what I expected. And yeah, the first year was tough. It was really, really tough. It was really figuring out who am I as a lecturer, right? Mm -hmm. I know myself as a founder. I know myself, you know, as a, as a partner, as a friend, mm -hmm. but this is a new role. Mm -hmm. Am I like cool? Am I strict? <laughs> am I, you know, the youngster who tries to be their friend? Yeah. <laughs> yeah so I guess a quite tricky journey, but now I had just finished my fifth cohort. And wow. there's so many lovely people. I stay in touch with most of the students and uh, love to follow their journey. They're just so inspiring and just always being up to date on what the next generation does because obviously the gap, the age gap grows with every mm -hmm. year. Mm -hmm. So when I started, I was 28 and lots of other people were my age or even older, but now there are less and less people who are older right. than me, right? And also, I mean, the youngest are sometimes 21, 22. So it's a whole decade between us. Yeah, And I just see it more as a kind of, relationship where i get to learn from them as well mm -hmm. and i love it i love it a bit way more than i expected <laughs> it to love wow yeah. yeah there are two things in my life where i didn't expect it to love it that much that's lecturing and motherhood, and motherhood. <laughs> <laughs> for sure <laughs> i mean uh, actually it's quite fascinating because now when, when you think back your your experience when you did the undergrads yeah and you there was only one course on sustainability yeah and now actually to close the circle you decide okay now i'm gonna yeah. Become a lecturer on focusing on sustainability. Yeah, exactly. So my focus is sustainability, yeah. but I also work with other universities. So UL is my main university, mm -hmm. but I also work with IMD, which is the Academy for Mode and Design in Germany. Yeah. Wow. I work with Kingston University yeah. in the in the UK. Um, I got to collaborate on a couple of projects with Cambridge University as well last year. And this can look like in all sorts of ways. So uh, helping to develop curriculums um, and implement sustainability changes, supporting climate change teams mm -hmm. of seeing of what we can do to decarbonize and decolonize uh, education as, as a, a whole and just delivering the sessions and seeing the feedback of students, but also having an entrepreneurial um, approach in everything that mm -hmm. we do. So how can you have the outside of box thinking and tie the education to an existing industry as early on as possible? So there's less theoretical approach and more a practical sense of mm -hmm. how to use the theory you learn. Wow. Yeah. So that has been kind of like, you know, and that's why it makes so much sense. In the beginning, I was like, why would they ask me? From an academic perspective, I do not have anything to offer. Mm -hmm. Let's be honest. I just wrote, what, three essays <laughs> in my entire <laughs> life at the moment when I started in my undergrad. I've never done a thesis, never mm -hmm. read all the books, you know, that they would expect you to mm -hmm. read. But I kind of forgot that sometimes the practical approach is actually crucial 
Absolutely. To bring sense to the theory that they mm-hmm. learn. And I'm not saying a theory is not important, but there is no point in it if you don't know how to use it in a practical Absolutely. sense. So this is where my role is. And I really know my role, and this is coming back to what you said before. If you figure it out and you know what you're bringing to the table, everything gets easier. Much you're easier. you're not trying to be Absolutely. someone else or yeah. compete with someone else in a different space. Because you go your path. Exactly. You mind your own business. Exactly. And you mind it really well. <laughs> and I think this is so beautiful because like understanding the combination of education, but also like the power of entrepreneurship. I think what we've so easily have forgotten actually how much impact a business has on consumer behavior, but also thinking. Yeah, It's actually in probably the biggest influence beyond your closer friends yeah. or people. Because like a pro- the product you buy, the values that are being communicated to you, the principles behind it, that you all kind of like digest it. Yeah. So it's actually so important when you i think there's many things you can approach kind of like how to actually make this world a little bit better yeah but if you go the business way and if you're aware that actually your business has a huge impact on consumers thinking and behavior daily agrees (laughs) (laughs) yeah yeah it's a conversation about responsibility as Mm -hmm. well right of how for a long time in the very early stages of conversations around sustainability businesses and politics tried to push responsibility on the consumer Mm -hmm. you just stop behaving like this and the problem is sorted. Massive problem, right? Which is uh, absolutely bizarre. Exactly. Yeah. So uh, understanding the hierarchy and the system of power and responsibility makes a huge difference in the conversation around sustainability and education yeah. around sustainability, right? As a consumer, I can switch from my straws, my plastic straws to the paper ones. I can stop buying things. I can, you know, get rid of all the plastic in my household. But there will still be companies overproducing and offering things that I didn't even ask for. Exactly. It's not even the demand that I'm creating. Yeah. So I think that's the conversation we should be having way more often. And then politicians, obviously, they're at the top of the hierarchy in terms of having the opportunity to change rules and to make it more difficult for businesses to operate in a non-sustainable way. Absolutely. But they don't. And again, it's so easy to say, well, it's uh, the consumer's fault because you created the demand. Yeah, yeah, I guess it's it's actually so many, I don't think many people know this, but actually the CO2 footprint was invented by Shell in the 70s. Yeah, I I, I read that. It's (laughs) insane, right? It's like, yeah, putting the responsibility to consumers, Yeah, they have to measure their CO2 footprint by, yeah. yeah, I mean, that's crazy. Yeah, yeah, it's a bit like the whole self-regulating thing, yeah. like the social corporate responsibility that um, companies came up with uh, a couple of decades ago mm-hmm. and on their websites, it would be like, oh, yeah, 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 we promise we do this, this and this. Mm-hmm. And because for so many years, no one asked questions, yeah. no one would try to investigate the supply chain, they got away with it. And I think the big shock now is that consumers are more aware. So talking about sustainability and responsibility, it's not the consumer's responsibility to change the system. It's uh, more of like the opportunity to ask questions. So I think as a consumer, we should demand Mm -hmm. and say we want to know who is behind it, who made it, what is the supply chain, but we should also uh, not let them believe that we are solely responsible. Absolutely for things being done a certain way. 100% behind you. Yeah. And is this what you, is this the, the goal or like the mission behind the fashion revolution? Exactly. In Austria. Yes, So you 100%. kind of like to almost like push this uh, conversation. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Exactly. It's a B2B and a B2C approach, we always say. So fashion revolution was founded 10 years ago in the UK. Wow. So this is the 
uh, kind of main hub. And then every country, like loads of countries have their own hub. And the mm -hmm. Austrian one, finally, 10 years later, we have an Austrian one as well. And I co-founded it with my fantastic co-founders, Romy, Nadine, and Astrid. And we are three entrepreneurs out of the four founders. And Romy is our absolute expert in uh, anything corporate because mm -hmm. she has like a very good career in that area. So she knows how to communicate the things that businesses are also listening to us and uh, not only consumers, but we want to have a B2B and B2C approach. So for the consumer, we want to encourage, we want to tell them you can vote with your wallet, you mm -hmm. can ask questions, mm -hmm. you can demand things. And for the businesses, obviously just having an understanding that not all businesses are the same, Small businesses need something else compared to medium size and compared to corporates. And uh, we want to be able to build the bridges between them. Amazing. So just kind of like having these conversations, getting outside, doing network, because we know in Austria, we have a bubble system, right? Mm -hmm. People hang out in their own bubbles. <laughs> yes. You either went to school with someone or you went to uni with someone or you're related or married to someone. <laughs> End of story. End of story. <laughs> so we want to break up the bubbles a little bit and encourage conversations because mm -hmm. you would speak to different people on the same topic and you get different answers. There'll be players who say, we don't have an issue in Austria because we already have a really strict rules uh, around production. But yeah, but what happens as soon as production leaves the country, right? Mm -hmm. Then it's outside. So there is lack of regulation. We're still part of the European Union. So there needs to be regulation done on this level. And at the same time, we can't have a conversation about responsibility in production or supply chain without talking of how much we exploit other areas of the planet mm -hmm. in order to fulfill our own needs. So it is all connected. Yeah. And we just need to start talking about it because at the moment we are really very much in our own bubble in a very comfortable zone. Wow. I mean, like, but also like just listening to that, like, you know, like when you talk about, for me, it sounds like such a, I don't know, very, <laughs> yeah, not difficult, but also like exhausting kind of like way because like you have to really like, in that sense, because normally I don't, like, I, I don't find it's good to say like you know blaming the system but in that in that case you really have to you have to really understand go deep into the system and work yes. from inside out slowly step by step grinding your way through i think it's the reason why the fashion industry is so screwed up mm -hmm. and it doesn't work because it's highly complex it's complex from a supply chain perspective mm -hmm. it's complex as an industry in terms of who's responsible for what it's complex because it has um you know uh, high street it has luxury it has sustainability it has so many different types of businesses within that so many different players then it has the geographical aspect of things being sold on one side of the planet being made on another it's hugely complex and you don't have enough people working in more than one touch point or one area mm -hmm. in the industry which is understandable because in every other industry there's an expert for everything absolutely but we need this cross-border like this touch point of a couple of things within the industry And many people doing that, having several careers within the industry, having touch points, let's say, with education and the industry at the same time, as an example, to be able to actually talk the talk by walking the walk. I mean, as I mean, like, get just like, I don't know if you realize it, but actually you... It's me, yeah. Yeah, it's you. Yeah. People, you know, the industry it's, it's needs you. me. No, it's like, well, you, <laughs> That's what I want to say is my self self But you walk the talk because like, you not just have, you tried from an entrepreneurial and, uh, angle as a business. You lectured at university yeah. and now you also go kind of like into the sphere of politics and uh, policies yeah. with a non-profit organization. That's, uh, oh, I think Delia is going to join us. So, all right. Should, should we try again? And we are back. Yeah, second pause and it's Delia's fault again. 
No, but you know. But she joined us. Yes. She joined us. She's part of the show. No, she's doing actually really well. She's two and a half months only so for transparency. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So actually, this um, there was uh, a podcast listener, a friend of mine as well. She's in Helsinki, and she's also an entrepreneur. She's an artist, and she has oh oh. This remind me. Actually, I had a present for you. I need to bring it next time. Oh, nice! I like presents. A, a children book. <gasps> Cute. From her. Actually, I will. I need to drop it by later today if you're still around. Yeah, yes. Yeah, let's do that. And I think it's she, happening. We are doing the, the children podcast, right? Yes, exactly. <laughs> <what's> happening. exactly. <laughs> Just starting a new business here. <laughs> and um, I think, yeah, her question is like because it's so fascinating to hear also like other now being someone who's an entrepreneur, you know, like full in life, lecturer, nonprofit organizations, founder, and now mother. How do you bring, like, how is this, you know, you're still in kind of like finding this balance between all these roles, but how has it been for you so far? Very challenging, I have to say, especially with motherhood. I have like so many opinions because it always is a conversation about feminism as well. And then there's so many opinions and sometimes people just make it even harder to embrace it because mm -hmm. there's already so much expectation, right? Mm -hmm. And I, I found that so far uh, there is not as much expectation towards being a founder or, you know, an opinion leader or just you, you name it as you want, um, as there is for motherhood. Right. Yeah. So just easy things, starting already like how you um, deal with your pregnancy, how long you've been working, when you actually take time off, mm -hmm. how you give birth, a big one, if you breastfeed or not, you know, all of these things, uh, when you go back to work, you know, even I'm, I'm sure there will be people who are like, oh my God, she's two and a half months old, why are you recording a podcast? You know, you should be doing other things. <laughs> <laughs> Always. Uh, I find it very difficult because this is where the self-doubt kicks in even more. Even more. And yeah. really badly as well, because yeah. it, it's, it's a conversation around self-doubt in connection with guilt. Mm. that's a different one because wow. before okay. it was only me right like i'm mm -hmm. i'm self-harming or if i'm not doing something else it's just me it's my own i'm, I'm my own responsibility i'm a grown-up but now there is another human being in the game right so whatever i do people judge it by what it means for me but also for her for her yeah of course yeah, and everyone else thinks they know better yeah Delia, exactly right yeah i'm not gonna swear now because there's a child in the room but <laughs> <laughs> yeah I, fi I find it very challenging, I have to say. And um, moving forward, I also feel like, you know, I'm always oh, torn between should I talk on social media and, and show actually now uh, how I live and that I already do some work and I do some exciting projects or should I hold off or should I say that I take my child everywhere and, mm -hmm. you know, for example, mm -hmm. at end of August, I'll be doing uh, some incredible seminars at uh, Forum Arbach um, yeah. in Tyrol, which is a, a massive thing for me, you know, career-wise and it's great and I'm very excited and I'll be bringing Delia with me, right? And I have, uh, I'm very lucky because David, my partner, he's like very supportive and, and he'll be coming with me. Um, But at the same time, I'm also struggling thinking, oh, should I be talking about it or should I not? Because yeah. it might be controversial. <laughs> and the question is, should it be controversial? But also like then, yeah. in that point, do you have, I guess, mentors or other friends or like, yeah. how, what kind of like, yeah. what advice could you kind of like forward? Yeah, them? I have loads of other amazing moms around me yeah. who um, just say, you know, Just, just don't don't listen to that and you do you. This is the only way mm -hmm. of approaching it. I think so too. Maybe. Yeah. And I think maybe with, like, with everything else, with the self-doubt, just become friends with it and understand it will always be there. And now it's there in connection with guilt. <laughs> wow. It's, like, it's, it's getting more it's, complex. It's getting more complex. Exactly. Like, I don't know. Start drinking? I don't know. 
again, another controversial topic, <laughs> drinking and breastfeeding, and I'm not even going to start. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, but it's, it's a complex one. And again, I think it's because we try to have a conversation about something that people portray as natural, mm -hmm. right? motherhood, it has to come naturally to you. You Absolutely. just feel it. Just it's, feel it. It's not. And motherhood can mean so many things. And I was actually thinking about it the other day. I do not feel like motherhood started for me the moment my child was born. I was very motherly before that because mm -hmm. I'm the oldest of four kids. Yeah, I co-parented the youngest uh, because they're 15 years younger than me. They're twins. I was always this person, again, being there for my students mm -hmm. or for people who work for me and are my team members. I was always something, as you would describe, motherly. Yeah, Feeling like everything is my responsibility. This is also motherhood. Absolutely. We just don't give enough credit. I think we are too strict in the definition of it that you just need to have, like, a, even to a certain extent, some people would say biological child. Right? No, but also, like, it's a very, like, natural feminine trait. It's like this, yeah. But also not, right? Because I know people who would not have any motherly okay. feelings, which is also absolutely fine. Mm -hmm. And not every woman has to feel that or feel the urge of reproducing. Absolutely. I didn't feel the urge to reproduce up until very recent. Yeah. And it's also normal. So I think this is something where we should be a bit more careful with definitions. Mm -hmm. Coming back with, from entrepreneurial perspective, it's a definition of success. And from the private perspective, it's a definition of motherhood and what it means to be a mother, to who yeah. you are a mother, what your job is as a mother. And also just putting things in perspective. You will not screw up your child's life because you are not the only person in their Absolutely. life. Absolutely. <laughs> you know? And we all know it. And as we grow up, of course, we can always look back like, oh, my parents. Yeah, That's I mean, what I said, yeah. but... But it's also evolution. If we would think the same way like our parents do, then what, what's the progress? Absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. But I guess like this is so beautiful that you actually emphasize this. And I think, yeah, I really agree with you because, again, this is kind of like highlighting it's the most important thing to find your inner voice and listen to your, to your path. And if you are authentic to this, that's fine. That's totally fine. That should, you know, like there's nothing to worry about because then you do it with heart and intention. No, Good intention, hopefully. Yeah. 100%. And actually, uh, one of my mentors, she told me something really interesting. She said, you can have it all, but not at the same time. Mm -hmm. And I like that. So she said, your entire life, it's like when you look at the whole life cycle, it's all yours. Yeah. It still happens to you. And just because it doesn't happen simultaneously at the same time, it doesn't mean it's worthless. And I like it. It just takes the pressure away from you to be this overperformer that has things sorted out 100% at Absolutely. all times. So maybe I have this time now where I want to be focusing just on my child and that's fine. Absolutely. Or maybe then I have a time where I want to be focusing on just one of the jobs that I'm doing, you know, yeah. and it's also fine. So you can have, it all sounds like, you know, big, but everything you want or wish for, that's absolutely fine to dream mm -hmm. big. But just be aware and put it in a realistic perspective that it might not happen at the same time. Amazing. <laughs> Amazing, Sabina. So then, because we're coming to an end now. Yeah. And for me, I would love to, because again, it's like, I don't know, I'm not sure if you're really aware about your amazing journey so far. And I think I'm very excited to see where, what else you will give back and kind of like um, bring to this world. And now if someone is listening and it's just like, I just know there's so many people out there who never even would dream to dare to follow whatever the heart tries to tell them. What would be the simplest 
starting point to kind of like start kind of like breaking this ice for you? Ah, uh, yeah. I, I'm not a huge fan of giving advice. And mm -hmm. I always say that because, again, it has a lot to do with privilege and the opportunities that you have for yourself in order to like follow an advice or not. Mm -hmm. But if I have to, probably I would say start by mapping out your skill sets. Amazing. What is it that you're amazing at? And you'll quite quickly understand that, first of all, the list is longer than you thought. Mm -hmm. And also that you have transferable skills that can be used for more than one job or one industry. Mm -hmm. And that probably will give you courage to change industries if you're not happy uh, with your current job. Or maybe to go and go back to university and start over again. Or maybe start your own thing because you are the right person for that. But I think the first step to it is really understanding what is it that you're good at mm -hmm. and what is it that you need support with. You don't have to be an expert in everything. No one is. But through a collaborative approach and really knowing what your strength is, you can move forward quicker, I would say. Amazing. Yeah. It's so practical. I love it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, do that list. <laughs> no, but it's beautiful because it kind of like, it's very similar. I mean, I'm sure you stumble upon uh, the concept of Ikigai. Yeah. Yeah. I mean, in the end, it's sure. very, it's a, it's a, there's so many, like, again, what I've stumbled upon, there's so many, or thousands of years, different people, different cultures, different backgrounds, they all try to kind of like make sense of this life and the yeah. advice they give and the methods they come up with. A bit different sometimes, but in the core, always the same. It's kind of, yeah. kind of like come to find out what is your natural core, like your heart. Yeah. And once you find that, and what you have found, it's kind of like, then the path ahead is kind of like, it's almost quite, not effortless, but like it's very, it's easier to see what the next steps are. Yeah, it brings clarity, clarity 100%. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, yeah, I agree with that. So yeah, if there is an advice that I would have to leave. And to close uh, our session, I have one last joker question wow, for you. okay. What is your favorite button on that thing? My, fa <laughs> <laughs> My favorite button. I mean, I haven't actually used these things, but uh, I like this the sound, the musics, but this. You can't play it now. I can play it, but then we have to say something very meaningful. Okay, 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 let's do it. <laughs> Isabina. You can say something. I'm now. already vibing, yeah. Joy. <laughs> Courage. <laughs> Success. <laughs> I think we can do like loads of entrepreneurial <laughs> words. <laughs> okay. This is the start of a coaching session. You exactly. can book us. <laughs> you can book us now. <laughs> oh, now it turns into like a Ibiza sound. <laughs> <laughs> I didn't expect that. Okay. It's, it's a very long okay. ad. <laughs> so that's my favorite one. Nice, nice. I like it. I have to say again for like full transparency for those who are, who are listening and they don't see the setup. First of all, we talked today about climate change. We live through it because it's a heat wave in Vienna. We have 35 degrees today again. We are sweating. It's sauna situation here. <laughs> yeah. Oof. Uh, and uh, Gerrit has like a quite amazing setup that he brought yes. with himself. I'm so That's, happy with it. Yeah, oh, you should be. I'm, I'm very, you know, amazed by it and took uh, lots of pictures on social media already. Super profesh and uh, lots of fun buttons uh, to press. That's why I had to ask the question about the yes. button because not everyone has this type of awesome setup for the podcast. <laughs> yeah, it's like, when was like, I need this. <laughs> no, awesome. It's awesome. <laughs> Sabina, it has been absolute pleasure and super inspiring and is there to kind of like end this beautiful episode is there anything you want to share about your work or yeah well first of all thank you so much for the opportunity for the conversation i always love chatting to you <laughs> um 
always a pleasure exchanging, uh, I'll even say knowledge, knowledge. and uh, thoughts. Uh, shout out for behind the scenes team, <laughs> David. David. <laughs> <laughs> Thank you for co-handling Delia um, and obviously Delia for her input, <laughs> which was crucial. Um, I would say probably, you know, if you're interested in fashion or you're interested in sustainability or conscious consumption, all of these things, make sure to check out Fashion Revolution. Um, if you're based in Austria, then Fashion Revolution Austria, if you're based in another country, look out for the hub, for the local hub that you have. There are many things for how you can be involved, how you can volunteer, how you can be part of the conversation. And um, if there's anything that you need support with in terms of uh, conscious cons consumption and responsible consumption, mm -hmm. feel free to find me as well on social media. I'm Sabina Rachimova. You know, you can have a Google or maybe Karaj will be so nice. And of course, I will link, link everything. Exactly. And get in touch. I always love a good conversation. Amazing. And I think, um, yeah, actually there would be even like an episode just about conscious cons consumerism. Yeah. It's so fascinating. Maybe another one. Oh, I was going to say, I will come back because I loved it. So many compliments in one hour. <laughs> I don't know if it says a lot about my life. I'm like, oh my God, thank you so much for being nice. But you know. <laughs> well, they're all, you know, justified beyond. Now I'm fishing. <laughs> yes. <laughs> what else? What else you got? Get? <laughs> give, give it to me. <laughs> what else would you say about me? <laughs> <laughs> all right Sabina it has been a pleasure thank you so much thank you and all the best thanks so much